Awakened Reality Podcast, JFK Assassination. We are back. This is the 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 same night, but a new podcast because that's how hey, we do hey, it. Hey. doing a double do double it. duty. So we're still. I'm still drinking the Limbo IPA. I'm in yep. slow, slow, slow uh, drinking it. I'm my dunkle. I'm my dunkle. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to talk about um, Oswald and what connections he had. Um, just before the assassination. So, um, you know, who was he in contact with after he was out of the military, after he was back from Russia? This is his time um, in New Orleans and his time in Dallas. And what connections did he have during that time frame that, um, you know, might have some bearing on the JFK assassination? You know, I think maybe the question is, who was he involved with? <laughs> yeah. That's true. He was involved with all sorts of people. It's kind of amazing. He, for a guy who like was supposedly a nobody, didn't have any money, you know, didn't have, you know, theoretically didn't have connections. He seems like he knew everybody and ran into everybody at one time or another. It's kind of crazy. But, but was he part of the CIA or the FBI? But that's, that's the million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's first talk about him in New Orleans. So he was in New Orleans before he moved to Dallas. So this was, right. this was kind of like in the, uh, maybe around 62, I'm thinking, um, mm-hmm. sometime in 62. So, um, you know, he, he came back from Russia. Remember, he defected from Russia. He kind of got, or the Soviet Union. He kind of decided he didn't want to be a Soviet um, citizen. He wanted to be an American citizen. And so he came back here. But then oddly enough, um, once he got back here, his study of communism and his outspokenness regarding communism both intensified. Um, But then also, at the same time, he joined the American Civil Air Patrol, which is an (laughs) odd move for somebody who supposedly is now becoming a diehard communist. Yeah. Oh, and mind you, he, he, he uh, decided he didn't want to be part of the United States, so he went to Russia uh-huh. in, in, in the middle of the Cold War. Yeah. Didn't have any money, right? But was allowed to come back with a Russian citizen mm-hmm. without any kind of problem mm-hmm. in the middle of, you know, the Cold War. That's interesting, too. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. If we only could think of a, a reason why that had happened, it was allowed to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. So it was this time in New Orleans that Oswald made, um, you know, one of his very interesting connections. And um, it was w- through his involvement with the Civil Air Patrol. Um, it has been established that Oswald's cap leader maybe you can explain what a cap leader is since you have military civil air patrol oh (laughs) good work phil he's the guy he's the guy that wore the cap steve i mean i don't know what the hell 
yeah, okay, okay. Um, so the guy who was his leader in the Civil Air Patrol, I guess that's what CAP stands for, and... was was a guy named, have you ever heard of this guy? David W. Ferry. Yeah. Um, man, this guy shows up all the time. We're going to be talking about him in our, when we, even when we get off of the JFK assassination and we start talking about CIA drug smuggling, we're still going to be talking about David Ferry. Um, yeah, he he uh, he had alopecia. Yeah, yeah. Explain he's what alopecia looking... is. Not everybody's going to know what that is. Well, you lose your hair. You know, I mean, it's it's. Uh... It's not it's not baldness. It's, no, it's, it's just like literally. <laughs> no, it's like you, you lose know? your eyebrows. Yeah, eyebrows, eyebrows, eyelashes. Yeah. Not eyelashes, but your eyebrows. Any kind of. So what he used to do is he used to paint eyebrows on and stuff and he always looked like a weirdo like Groucho, um, right he wore a wig yeah, like, and painted his eyebrows yeah. on yeah yeah he's um, notorious <laughs> <laughs> so this yeah. D- david ferry he was an airline pilot a private investigator an outspoken right winger um he had connections with um the mafia boss carlos marcello um with anti-castro cuban groups um, he had connections with uh, former FBI agent Guy Bannister, um, and he also, you know, obviously had connections with the CIA. So, in other words, this David Ferry, he was the sort of guy who was connected. He had he was had ends with the CIA and the mafia, but he also was kind of like a guy on the streets. You know, I don't want to call him a lowlife, but he was a guy who he he had his nose in the underground. I guess is a colorful way of putting it. A useful sort of a person, right? For the CIA and the mafia to know. Yep. And to use. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, something that was kind of not um, a great thing about this David Ferry was that he used his position, supposedly, in the Civil Air Patrol um, to establish contacts with young boys, young men, um, because he, you know, he swung that way. And I don't have any problem with anybody, you know, who's gay, but if you're kind of using your position of power to kind of, um, you know, get with young guys who may not even have been of age, you know, that's a little more, I might have a little bit of a problem, more of a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Conjecture as it may be, but still, you know. Yeah, it, but it, I think there's. I think I've read a lot of stuff about that. I mean, yeah. if we're wrong, if he if he's not guilty of that, let us know. We probably shouldn't throw it yeah. out there with a hard and fast knowledge. But I think I I think there's a lot of smoke there. Some people think that Ferry, who was knee deep in the world of um, intelligence, espionage, the mob, the CIA, um, you know, well, one. I mean, I think it's very likely that Oswald already was involved in. Um, intelligence work. I mean, I tend to think that he was doing intelligence work when he went to the Soviet Union, when he was in the army, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if yep. that wasn't the case, you know, it was. It was. Even if he it hadn't, was. I think it, I, I agree with you. But even if he hadn't, he would have been kind of an obvious person for Ferry to latch onto to see, you know, what can I get out of this guy? Sure. Um, so again, it's a, it's an interesting contact. Um, another interesting thing about his time in New Orleans was that 
um, was that there was this place, um, 544 Camp Street or 544 Camp Street. And Guy Bannister's um, office, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so up until just a few months prior to Oswald's arrival in New Orleans, that house was where the offices of the Cuban Revolutionary Council um, was. And so this was kind of an anti-Castro organization created by E. Howard Hunt. And uh, um, so again, really we're talking about people who, who are, are working to try to overthrow um, Castro or kill Castro. These are people that were, again, were, were involved with the, the CIA, with the mob. They might've been involved mm -hmm. with the Bay of Pigs planning. Yep. Um, all of that type yep. of stuff. Some of the people who were involved in this um, Cuban Revolutionary Council, one guy was this guy, Carlos Bringuer. I think I said that right. Um, and yep. he, he had a, later on, had a, um, a publicized by the media, the media kind of covered it, a publicized street encounter or argument with Oswald, which many people think was kind of staged. Um, mm. And there also were, um, there's this guy, Sergio Aracha Smith, um, a Cuban Revolutionary Council top official with close ties to, um, to David Ferry, and also Carlos Prios Socaras. Socaras, yep. Socaras, former president of Cuba under Batista and one of the leading Cuban exiles close to CIA agents E. Howard Hunt, Bernard Baker, and Frank Sturgis, all of later Watergate fame. Mm -hmm. um, so Oswald supposedly was, um, I'm wondering if I didn't say it in this note, but I think the reason why 544 Camp Street is here is because he, he was in that building all the time, right? So the question is, was Oswald connected to the CIA? Um, we've already discussed how several aspects of Oswald's time in the military and his defection to and then back from the Soviet Union hint at ties to the intelligence community. Are there any other um, bits of evidence or testimony pointing toward that fact? Well, Bill, I'm glad that I asked. <laughs> There's a lot. Yes. Um, so um, a couple of quick quotes before we get into Ooh. his files. Um, so Jerry Patrick Hemming, he's a Marine with Oswald who, um, and he was a Marine. Um, he served as a Marine and, and um, he, he claims that he was recruited into the CIA with Oswald. He told of a meeting that Oswald had in the Cuban consulate. And Hemings said that Oswald seemed to be, quote, an informant or some type of agent working for somebody. Yep. And um, another thing that happened was um, during a radio interview, because Oswald went on the radio several times for various reasons, mainly, you know, like he went on to, to spout kind of communist propaganda. Um, but during one radio interview, the right-wing broadcaster, Ed Butler, you don't need to know who he was. He was just a right-wing broadcaster. He um, ambushed Oswald um, with his 
um, attempted defection, defection to the Soviet Union, essentially saying like, well, but what about you? You tried to defect to the Soviet Union. And Oswald seemed to be caught off guard and he stammered, quote, I was under the protection of the, uh, that is to say, I was at all times considered an American citizen. And so <laughs> some people think that that slip of the tongue might have revealed Oswald's true role as an agent, um, that yep. maybe he was an agent for the U.S. government while he was in Russia by saying, yep. you know, I was under the protection of. Yep. And, and, and because he was, because how else, like we talked about, would he be able to get back from Russia so quickly, mm -hmm. you know, during the Cold War? I mean, it was like nobody was allowed in and out of the country. It's like how, he, and he took a Russian citizen with him. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was under, and that's why he was always so cocky wherever he went. Mm -hmm. You know, even when he got caught for, you know, when they said he killed the president, he's like, oh, that's okay. This will be over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't worry. You know? Don't worry. Yeah, he thought that he had people kind of behind his back. But, yeah. Or backing him up, yeah. I mean. Oh, they were behind his back, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about Oswald's 201 file. Have you heard about this? Yes, it's a, it's a file that was kept on Oswald um, with the CIA, I believe. Yes. Um, so... And, uh, it was only discovered in 1977, or it only came to light, <laughs> at least. Isn't that amazing? Like, Oswald kills the president. The CIA has a file on him, and this file only comes to light 14 years after the uh, murder. That was misfiled. You know the CIA always hiding shit, you know, always forgetting stuff, always not having plans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, actually, mm. it, was, it, it only came to light after a um, Freedom of Information Act request. Um, was pressed by assassination researchers. But again, even so, like if they wanted to keep hiding it, right, they could have. I mean, because that's what they did. Well, not, yeah, I mean, I think they were just imbeciles because this stuff was filed in a completely different place mm -hmm. <laughs> in a financial building, right? Or some, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, mm -hmm. they say that many people who, who are knowledgeable about the CIA say that a, um, a 201 file is really by definition, a personnel file implying mm -hmm. that Oswald had worked for the CIA. Um, and uh, the um, during Watergate, the CIA officials, I'm sorry, no, this is uh, during the House Select Committee on Assassination. So this is in the mid 70s. Right. Yeah. Um, during that time period, the CIA had told um, that committee that their file on Oswald was nothing unusual and just reflected the fact that Oswald had, quote, potential intelligence or counterintelligence significance. However, <laughs> after that, um, at least three former CIA officers have stated publicly that the mere existence of a 201 file on Oswald indicated a relationship between um, Oswald yeah. and the agency. You know, starting to become real clear, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, so here are some of the people, actually, I'll give you three quotes just to hammer the point home. Um, Victor Marchetti, formerly an executive assistant to the CIA's deputy director, said, quote, basically, if Oswald had a 201 file, he was an agent. Okay, that's one quote. Yep. 
Bradley E. Agers, a CIA officer who trained anti-Castro Cubans, said, quote, a 201 file meant Oswald was either a contract agent working for them full time or he was on some kind of assignment for the CIA. Third quote, former CIA agent Patrick McGarvey. If a guy has a 201 file, that means he's a professional staff employee of the organization. Yep, which could mean a lot of things. Yep. Yep, you that's know? true. But they've denied, even to this day, they denied that he had he had any kind of connection with the CIA. It's craziness. Craziness. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so there was a lady, um, Anne Egerter. Um, she was the person who actually um, opened the file. And the file was opened, by the way, on, in November of 1960, um, which I think at that time he would have been in the Soviet Union. Um, or maybe even that might have even been before he went to the Soviet Union. I'm not sure. It's either when he was or in close. the Soviet Union or, or yep. right before he went. That's when the, his, the 201 file was opened. It was opened by Anne Egerter who said that, um, that they had, the reason they opened it was because they were kind of keeping track of um, several defectors. And she denied that um, there's a handwritten annotation on the note that says AG. And so she denies that that means agent. Um, ah. However, her unit, in the counterintelligence agency was their task was to protect the agency from moles quote we were charged with the investigation of agency personnel who are who were suspected one way or another wow so her job or the job of the area she was working in was to try to figure out if people that were working for the cia were you know moles Huh. And, and so, and she's the one who opened his, his um, file. And so that makes me think like, well, you know, maybe she was, maybe he was an agent and she was, you know, investigating him to make sure that he stayed an agent while he was in Russia. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, you know, putting it out there now. So they had this file, which supposedly, you know, was fairly extensive, but, um, but they weren't, they never, they, they kind of kept it um closed well really I, I mean this file i think they kept closed right through um you know through the end of Six, yeah of water 60, of the yeah. of uh um the warren commission but there was no none of the information that was contained in the file was kind of shared with people that could have you know done anything to prevent the jfk assassination sure um, and actually, um, this is an interesting note. I, I, this is really just something to, to potentially look into, but, um, this one writer, I'm trying to find the name of the guy, um, whatever. I, I can't find the guy's full name. It's a writer called Newman. <laughs> um, Newman. Newman. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's that Newman. I'm sorry. I don't have the guy's first name. <laughs> it's a guy named Newman. But he had a theory that this Angleton was, you know, you ask when you say, well, the CIA was, might have been involved in the JFK assassination. 
then you think like, okay, well, it wouldn't have been all of the CIA. It would have been a small section of it. And kind of who would have been the people that were well positioned to kind of do some of the footwork. And he argued that, um, that Angleton's division, who was the, uh, the CIA counterintelligence chief, he yep. was the one who kind of, um, it was his division was the one that, that Egerton worked in, the one where his, um, that his file was opened under. So this Newman thinks that this division and Angleton was one of the very few who could have been a designer of a plot which kind of created um, information about Oswald that was used yeah. to kind of frame him and then keep that information dormant until 1963. Well, you know, even after that, you know, it's like the CIA, you know, went to great lengths to convince the House Collective Selective Committee that having a 201 file was in no way significant, mm -hmm. <laughs> was in no way suspicious. <laughs> yeah, but with, that with worked. Lee Harvey. The, the work on that file may have been, the purpose for that 201 file may have been to lay the groundwork for the framing of Oswald. Yeah, you got to plan ahead, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the last thing we'll say about that file is, is that a... Um, a CIA document that was later obtained stated that Oswald's 201 file filled two four-drawer safes. So, you know, like, uh, you know how, how, how big a four-drawer <laughs> kind of safe is? It filled two of them. You know how many papers can fit in that? Yep. yep. But, but, but they could, yeah, yeah. But the House Committee, when they asked for, you know, the documentation... They were given virtually an empty folder. Yeah. So. Sure. Well, I'm worried I might. It's kind of like when. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you when you listen to the Congress sometimes Congress questioning people. You know, um, and they ask a question that if the person answers, it's going to be a bombshell. So uh -huh. instead of answering it, they say, "Oh, I'd like to reserve answering that in closed session." Mm -hmm. <laughs> And the Congress has to go, okay. So what happens in closed session, right? They go to closed session, they tell Congress, and they go, look, Congress, if you, if you, make, if you let this out, it's going to hurt national security. Mm -hmm. Congress is bound to not say anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which, so. which means anything we don't want anybody to know, we're just going to say, I'd like to talk about that in closed session. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the gist of it is that they had a file on him. The people who ran the file, who controlled the file, were in a good position to manipulate evidence about sure. Oswald to kind of plant evidence and um, and and you know it may or may not have happened but but at the end of the day they they had a lot of documentation on him and they didn't share much of that documentation just like the FBI we were talking about that just a few podcasts ago I mean yeah. it's like a mirror case like the FBI had all sorts of information regarding the JFK assassination and Oswald that they never shared. Well, you know, and, and when and when Oswald got picked up, right? I've got a picture where they had he they had two different wallets mm -hmm. for Lee Harvey Oswald. I, I saw a picture of two wallets, two cops mm -hmm. from the Dallas Police Department holding two different wallets. One had Lee Harvey Oswald in it. The other one had a name called uh uh what was it? Um 
uh, I forget, it, uh, it was a code name that a CIA agents used to let other CIA agents know that they're actually a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what it was. It was a selective service ID mm-hmm. uh, with a totally different name. Uh, I'll remember the name. I think it might come up in, in the notes, but um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a known counterintelligence alias mm-hmm. and he, they found that ID in his wallet. I mean, what, what else do you want? <laughs> yeah. And if you think like, I mean, if you think about the investigation of the JFK assassination, I mean, like, I'm not even talking about the Warren Commission. I'm talking about, you know, when they did the investigation and the Warren Commission. Um, I mean, like the FBI had all this information that they never shared. Mm -hmm. CIA had two four drawer safes of documentation about Oswald (laughs) that even by the mid 70s, they had only shared a couple of, you know, just a few sheets out of that. It's like, sure. how is it that they ever did any kind of a, a meaningful investigation? I mean, I think the answer is they didn't. No, they didn't. Of course they did. It was a plan. <laughs> you know, I mean, how could anybody think that, okay, you know, we should believe that the Warren Commission, you know, and then we talk about, I mean, we'll get to it later, but you know, and then we find out that even the members on the Warren Commission, they only attended about 20% or 30% of the meetings. Like the Warren Commission had like four or five sessions the members yeah. on it each went to like two of them and they had almost <laughs> no evidence that they, that they had to review. Yeah. Like, and, and then this is, this is the way we treat like the most important you know, case uh, of potentially the last hundred years in our country. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for people to actually believe still today that, you know, uh, Oswald acted alone is just, completely completely crazy <laughs> i mean I, I feel like sometimes we have to we get into all these details but sometimes even it just you know once in a while just rise up to a high level and just remind ourselves yeah the negligence the level of negligence that that was that went on you know during that time period relating to this yeah, yeah and, and when we get when we get deeper into it if you think it's bad now <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you just wait wait for about a couple of months from now when we get into the the deep 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 stuff where you're gonna go wow you know it, it was enough to just hear about what we're talking about you know wait till we <laughs> wait till we get to that you know yeah so Crazy. we have more i'm sorry to say we have more on cia and oswald so let's, so let's get into it yeah so i have a note here this is a note that i wrote i think i said no serious question that the cia had been involved in cover-up of its pre-assassination knowledge of Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, So one example of that is um, Oswald's visit to Mexico City. Right, yep. And so, um, you know, Oswald went to Mexico City not long before the assassination. This was when he was living in Dallas, and, and he went down there and went to a few different places, including the Soviet embassy. So, um and, and we have a lot, I think we have a lot more, I, you know, in later podcasts, we're going to be talking a lot more about this visit, but just, you know, f- to kind of throw a little bit out there right now. Sure. So um, there's overwhelming evidence um, that exists, including one tape, a, a taped evidence of a person calling himself Oswald, um, of, of somebody calling himself Oswald who contacted the Soviet embassy. This evidence was available on November 22nd. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> they had it. The CIA had this evidence. They had the tape. Um, but again, they didn't share it. And they claimed that the reason they didn't have this evidence was that it was, quote, routinely recycled, meaning like, okay, well, we had the evidence that there was an Oswald in Mexico City, that he contacted the Soviet Soviet embassy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they said, oh, we, we had it, but it was recycled. Now we don't have any evidence. We can't share yeah. any of it. But then later on, we're like, oh, well, actually, it turns out that they did have it, but they weren't able to listen to it to determine was it really Oswald? They didn't. Yeah, but don't do they have uh, don't they have video? Uh, you know, closed circuit television video in these consulates. I don't. Um, if I remember correctly, it's not in the note right here. But if if I remember correctly, they do. But it was turned off for some reason. Oh, the day that, the day that just the day that he oh, showed up. There. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. You remember Routine that? maintenance. <laughs> it's like yeah, the one day that he showed up um the the it was it was off and so well kind of like kind of like kind of like the uh the 9-11 attack on the pentagon where there was like over 150 different cameras in civilian places and along the perimeter but you only got video of two different shots that really showed nothing <laughs> yeah so um just to make sure people are kind of know where we're going with this many JFK assassination researchers believe that it was not actually Oswald who showed yes. up at the Soviet embassy. Yeah. And um, there are many reasons, you know, several are eyewitness accounts where they describe people that, yeah. that, never that like the description of the person doesn't match him at all. Um, there's also yep. the fact that like Bill had mentioned that the, um, for some reason there was no videotape of the day that he showed up. And also, um, there were FBI agents who listened to, um, in Dallas, who listened to the recordings um, of the person who had called the Soviet embassy, you know, in Mexico City. And they had determined that it was not Oswald's voice on the tape. Yeah. yeah. And so... Yeah, oh, and I, 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 yeah, I remember that name. The name is Alec Heidel. Mm -hmm. That was the name on his Selective Service ID when they found it. Um, after the assassination. Now, it's it was found out after that that Alec J. Heidel was the a code name, an alias that was used by people in, out in the field. So why would he have that with the name Alec Heidel if he wasn't connected? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think that kind of almost like it brings it kind of all together, right? I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least for me, you know. I mean, yeah, and this is and this is all important because his trip to Mexico City or his, his um, supposed trip to Mexico City was a big part of the um, circumstantial evidence presented yeah. in terms of saying like, well, it's a pattern of behavior where he was, you know, a communist and he was trying to, you know, he was working with the, the um, Cuban. They, they wanted to tie it more to Cuba than to, 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 than to the Soviet embassy, but you know, he was working with Cuba Etc. Um, and uh, you know stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's but why it's it funny, Steve. It's funny, Steve. Why would why would he be handing out pro Castro leaflets? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if if he knew if he was part of the CIA and he knew that he had nothing to do with he he thought he had nothing to do with the with the Kennedy assassination. 
Mm-hmm. And he was working with the CIA as a, as a you know agent or informant. Why would he be acting like he's a a pro Castro person? Wouldn't that throw a question in your mind? I mean, if your handlers are telling you, mm-hmm. you know, print these out, hand them out all over the place, and talk about how you you uh, promote anti Castros, and let's go to Russia and, and defect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if it was me now, I'd go, okay, what? What are you trying to do? You're trying to set me up for something? Why wasn't he smart enough to uh-huh. think about that? I mean, really? Was he that stupid? Was he that he might have He might have just thought that, well, I don't think he was super clever, to be honest. But, um, but I think that he just saw himself as being kind of a traditional double agent where he was trying okay. to, he was trying to, Okay. And also, I mean, this was the role that he had played. Let's, and it is what I believe. I don't think that he was a communist. No, I don't think not even that, close. Um, I think he it thinks was, that he was acting as a, as a patriot. Yes. You know, I really do. I, he was a patsy in every sense of the word. A, a sad, you know, patsy who thought he was doing the right thing. He, they, they picked the right person psychologically to manipulate him into making it look like he's a really important person helping the United States of America when the only thing they were doing from the beginning was setting himself up and making him help himself get set up. (laughs) But he had been cultivating this kind of communist loving persona for a long time, you know, pretty much from right when he got into the military and he had been, he had been doing it, you know, through many superficial, you know, methods were not remember like when we were talking about him before nobody really believed him in the military it's like he would call him he would call other people comrades and he would say i want to use the red chess pieces when playing chess <laughs> but like but he would, but he it, wasn't yeah. you know sitting there reading karl marx no, you know no and, uh, nope. and so people they didn't really buy it they thought it was weird they thought it was funny i think a lot of people knew what he was doing yeah. um and uh but he had been playing that game for a long time by, yeah. by the time 1963 rolled around. Yeah. Yeah. True. So, yeah, I think he just saw himself as a double agent. Um, yep. And, uh, Too bad. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so Ruth Payne, well, you know, this is the, I think this is the first time she's shown up in our notes. She'll show up quite a few times. After yes. This. So she was a um, a Quaker. I don't know why that's in the notes, but she was a Quaker. I guess it's pertained somehow. A Quaker housewife who befriended Marina, who was Oswald's, you know, wife from from the Soviet Union, and gave Marina a place to live um, during the time when Marina and Lee were separated. They had kind of a few, you know, separations mm-hmm. during their their romance. Um, she's also the person who got Oswald the job at the book depository. Um, And it's also in her house, in Ruth Payne's house, that much of the incriminating evidence, the evidence which was incriminating um, with respect to Oswald, where that evidence was found. Um, So Ruth Payne is a very interesting individual. Um, One thing is her sister, it turns out, um, worked for the CIA under Air Force cover. And yep. many people think that Ruth Payne also um, was involved um, with the CIA. Some people think that she was a, quote, babysitter for Marina. And um, Marina herself, 
1968 um, told the, the New Orleans Parish Grand Jury um, why she had cut off contact, contact with Ruth Payne after the assassination. She said, quote, I was advised by Secret Service not to be connected with her. Seems like she was not connected. She was sympathizing with the CIA. She wrote letters over there, and they told me for my own reputation to stay away. Yep. 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 Ruth Payne is a, a very controversial character in the, in the JFK researcher group um, mm-hmm. as being a liar who changed her story many times and basically a, a quack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, but um, who knows? Who knows? She mm-hmm. was there. I, I think it would be uh, once maybe uh, the powers that be found that, you know, Marina was living there. Maybe they spoke to her. Mm-hmm. You know, said, watch this girl for us, whatever. Who knows? You know, be a good Samaritan, you know. Uh, you know, don't let the United States fall into communism. You know, be a patriot. Yeah, keep tabs Sorry. on these people and plan evidence when we need you to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Um, okay, or let you... me know when you leave so we can plan it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so a few other items. Um, August 10th, 1963, um, a man called Antonio Vesiana Blanche, a Cuban exile who was recruited by the CIA to kill Fidel Castro. He was the founder and a leader of the anti-Castro group Alpha 66. Um He eventually testified that he met Maurice Bishop, maybe, maybe David Atlee Phillips. I think maybe it was, it was, that was his, that was a, it was an alias. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, That was his CIA contact. Um, He testified that he met this guy, David Atlee Phillips um, in Dallas, Texas. The meeting took place in a large office building in the downtown section of the city when Vesiana arrived for the meeting, David Atlee Phillips was there talking to a young man. The young man remained with the two of them only for a brief time um, as they walked to like a nearby coffee shop. The young man um, then departed and, um, and Blanche and, uh, or Vesiana Blanche and um, David Atlee Phillips kind of continued their meeting later on. So this guy, Antonio, Antonio Vesiana Blanche, he later testified that he recognized um, <laughs> the young man as Lee Harvey Oswald after seeing photographs of him following um, JFK's assassination. He said Imagine there was that. no doubt in his mind that the man was Oswald, not just someone who resembles him. And yep. so... And so this Vesiana didn't just say that he recognized him. He said that he had been trained to remember the physical characteristics of people and that if it wasn't <laughs> Oswald, it was his quote, exact double. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a uh, testimony. So it's not like hard and fast, but this guy essentially said, okay, well, he was there with Oswald meeting with the CIA operative. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I believe it, 100%. Um, other witness accounts in August of 20, August 26th of 1963, several witnesses claim that they saw Lee Harvey Oswald with David Ferry and Clay Shaw in Clinton, Louisiana. 
Although they can never prove that. That was one of the things. And the reason Clay Shaw got uh, off the hook mm-hmm. is because the jury thought there was no basis to believe that that was the case. Yeah. More testimony. Marita Lo- um, Lorenz claims that, that Oswald was at a meeting where E. Howard Hunt handed out money and maps and guns the day before the assassination. This is, I, yeah, I'm what, about what, this. Yeah, what happened there was uh, she, uh, I guess, um, she got in the car with all these folks and drove up to a building. She didn't know what was going on. She knew she had a job or whatever that they hired her to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she went up there and saw all the guns and weapons and, and all the money and plans. And she said, yeah, I'm out of here. Have a nice day. I don't want anything to do with this. But it's kind of questionable, though, is it? Because here's the reason why. Remember I, when I told you when I listened to the JFK assassination uh, and the um, actual radio broadcast mm-hmm. uh, that was covering the um, the the trademark, uh, the the broadcaster said, I, "I have this news. You know, the president's been killed. Uh, reports are saying that a woman a woman did it." Mm-hmm. They actually said that, and when they said that, I went, "Wait a minute." Maybe she didn't We're walk thinking- out of that room. Where'd they get that information? Where do they get that information from all of a sudden out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. It's like, because you see, the, what I've learned about research, especially into stuff like this, is you have to get in early and you have to find out information early. You need to watch local news. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as it happens, be lucky enough to, to find out information as soon as something happens within an hour and then watch every single and record every single local news broadcast. Screw CNN, screw Fox News. Screw, <laughs> you don't listen to any of that garbage. You go, you find it, and you, and you browse the internet for, for phone video, you know, and, and, and you look at names, and you mm-hmm. talk to people. That's the only way you're going to really find it, because after that window of, like, 24 hours, mm-hmm. it's all going to go away. <laughs> Uh-huh. It, it's all gonna go away and i got lots of it <laughs> oh yeah you'll find out soon enough <laughs> uh, it'll be fun yeah we have a lot we have a lot of stuff we got to get to man we're and look marina Loren- and marina lorenz was also the one that was you know um supposedly hired to kill she was hired to kill uh castro wound up falling in love with him Mm-hmm. Um, and um, well, who, who could help that? Yeah, well, you know, he was kind of hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. so here's another bit of a testimony. Just te- this is like the testimony section. So there's this Cuban exile, Silvia Odio, um, and he had joined other anti Castro Cubans in Puerto Rico and helped to form, form some, something called the Junta Revolucia, Revolucionar, Revolucionaria. That's <laughs> gracious. The Cuban Revolutionary Junta. Um, so he claims that in late September of 1963, um, three men came to his Dallas apartment. He said there were two Latinos and one um, Anglo or you know white dude. Um, he described them as wary, unkept, unshaven. He said that the, the leader of the three introduced himself as Leopoldo um, and introduced 
Um, the other Latino guy is Angelo, and he introduced the um, the American as Leon Oswald. The oh, men's... yeah. So I don't know. I um, mean, this was this was in Dallas. Okay, so um, they said that they had just arrived from New Orleans, were members of the um, junta, and were also working with the Cuban Revolutionary Council. Remember those people in 544 yes. uh, Camp Street? Camp, yep. Um, so he said that they knew um, they knew her, because Sylvia is a her, they knew her father's underground name and also uh, many of the de many details of the um, anti-Castro activities going on in Cuba, including some of the plots that had been, um, on, you know, that were on, that were going on to try to kill Castro. Um, they told Sylvia that they were trying to raise money for anti-Castro operations and they wanted her help um, doing translations because they were like, they were writing out like solicitations for money from, sure, you know, for, to give to businessmen in America. Um, something about these guys made Sylvia uneasy and she sent them away. Um, she said that she didn't want to be involved in any violence. Um, but within two days, Leopoldo called her back and asked what her thoughts were on, um, on this Leon Oswald. Um, and she said that um, Leopoldo then made a, a bunch of comments about this Oswald guy saying, quote, well, you know, he's a Marine, an ex-Marine and an expert marksman. He would be a tremendous asset to anyone except that you never know how to take him. He's kind of loco, kind of nuts. He could go any way. He could do anything like getting underground in Cuba, like killing Castro. The American says, we Cubans don't have any guts. He says we should have shot President Kennedy after the Bay of Pigs. He says we should do something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, this yeah. is, I mean, again, I, I don't know, like this, all this testimony, I never know how much of it to believe. I think it's just, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's it. I mean, you know, you're going to, some of this stuff's documented. I mean, a lot of it is just people's report on what they said they heard. And, and, and it's a, you have to take it, I think, in um, consideration of all the other things that happened before mm -hmm. and after and say it sounds like it's probably correct right yet still yeah. circumstantial of course you know but and also people tend to you know people's memories aren't perfect like right. sometimes right. i don't think it's as simple as saying okay well this is true or it's not true it's like yeah. you know like my you know my grandfather told a lot of stories he was a big storyteller and every time the story was different, it changed, it grew. <laughs> elements yeah. of it were true. I'm sure elements of it weren't. And so I think there's, you know, and even like, you know, you watch movies and these mobsters love to tell stories, right? And they embellish. So I think that goes on a lot here sometimes where maybe sometimes there might be some truths to some of these stories that you hear from these old, you know, mobsters, but then maybe they get discarded because they're, they're embellished. They're also embellishing them. And so they kind of make them sound more less feasible than they actually were. I don't know. Um, yeah. So here's the last little bit of a, for the testimony section. 
Um, so there was this another anti-Castro leader, a guy named John Martino. Um, and he spelled out the assassination plan to a, a friend of his, a, a Texan businessman in 1975. This was a, a, a telephone conversation with um, Fred Claussen. He was the businessman. Um, repeated by author Summers. I got to start getting the first names of all these authors. Um, Martino, this John Martino admitted to having served as a CIA contract agent. And he told Claussen, quote, the anti-Castro people put Oswald together. Oswald didn't know who he was working for. He was just ignorant of who was really putting him together. Oswald was to meet his contract at the Texas theater. They were to meet Oswald in the theater and get him out of the country, then eliminate him. Oswald made a mistake. There was no way we could get to him. They had Ruby kill him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, feasible? Sure. You know, of course. Yeah. You know, of course. It sounds feasible. It really does. Yeah. You know, I mean, could he have been working for the anti-Castro Cubans? Maybe he was part of the actual assassination attempt on Castro that never happened. Mm-hmm. that wound up being turned around and used on the president. Mm-hmm. Like maybe right? he was, maybe that's why he showed up in Dallas for one purpose. Actually, yeah. that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, because I don't think that they knew all, I don't think that the powers that be, I'm kind of going off script here, but I don't think yeah. they knew all along that they were going to kill JFK because you kind of only want to do that if you're like, if you're big, if you're like the powers that be, you only want to do that if you really have to. Well, there's a, there's a, a, a group of people who think that, you know, um, the good guys found out about the bad guys and couldn't stop the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lean a little bit that way because it just, I think that, uh, you know, Tippett was part of the good guys. Mm. Um, it just, it, from what I've learned, it just seems to fit with mm-hmm. my logic. You know, once we get there, I'll, we'll explain it to you. It won't be for a while, trust me. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, you look at the evidence, you look at what Oswald actually said. I'm a patsy. I didn't shoot anybody. <laughs> <laughs> voice analysis tests were taken on his voice as early as 10 years ago. And it was determined that he was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. He had the look on his face. And I don't know if you ever saw these interviews with him while he was being walked around. Yeah, but he had, a look on his, he had a look on his face like a man who knew he was screwed. Mm-hmm. like not a man who was saying okay i just did this i'm going to go down in history i'm going to be happy you know everybody's going to know my name kind of thing he was more like you know i'm a patsy i didn't kill anybody mm-hmm. you know i honestly believe that he was i think he was working with the cia but i think he was like double fucked mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in the right place at the right time, I think they planned for him to be the patsy. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I kind of do. I kind of really do. Um, and 
I think because they would have had to have done it. Mm-hmm. Right. They would have had to have done that in order for him to be the Patsy. The only way they couldn't mm-hmm. is if the people that tried to stop it actually stopped it. Yeah, there's a lot of conjecture plan. on that too. And you have to plan for contingencies. You oh, know? oh, yes. Yep. 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 So they, it's and, like, you know, and, and there's lots of witnesses that saw certain people, you know, it, it's funny when you watch a crowd, mm-hmm. if something happens and everybody's rushing one way, but two people are walking away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do they just have to bake their cookies? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, come on, man, come on. You know, you're on your way to wherever you got to go, and, and the vehicle is going to pick you up, the little uh, Rambler station wagon, right? And we'll talk uh-huh. about that later, too, you know, yeah. and all of that stuff, you know. So, uh, you know, yeah, of course they had a plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was there. They planned to get this poor little bastard, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and screw him to the wall, man, you know. I wish we could have had the notes that they had when they interviewed that guy you know, uh, Oswald mm-hmm. that they wound up getting, getting rid of, which is ridiculous. You know, how do you just get rid of stuff like the MK ultra files? They, oh yeah. We just got mm-hmm. rid of them. Okay. So let's see. I think we can, we just have a little bit to finish up Oswald with the CIA. And then the next time we come back, we can talk about Oswald and the um, FBI. His connections ah. with the FBI and also his pro Castro activities and his, Pro um, anti cast his anti castro activities and his Mexico trip. All that stuff is coming up. Let's uh, real quickly um, finish up um, Oswald's um, connection with the CIA. Um, so as we as we mentioned, there's a lot of evidence that Oswald might have been involved with the CIA. Um, you know, people who served with him thought that he had connections. He has unexplained disappearances where he disappeared for a while, and nobody understands why. Hard to, reconcile, hard to reconcile story about a defection in return from the Soviet Union. Um, at the very least, you would think that during the JFK assassination, these threads would have been followed up on, right? I mean, there's just so much circumstantial evidence that he was an intelligence operative. You, you would think that they would have looked into it, right? Well, yep. um, during the church committee's investigation... So this is, you know, in the mid to late 70s. Yep. Some of the church committee investigators were dismayed that Blakey, I think Blakey was, um, he was one of the guys who worked on the Warren Commission, right? Yep. Um, they were dismayed that he had failed to pursue trails um, which led to CIA agents and assets. So essentially, like they would, they're saying that the Warren Commission people, they kind of would look at Oswald but whenever something even started to point to the CIA, they would just stop investigating it. And they said, well, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of problematic if you're actually trying to get to the bottom of what happened. Sure. CIA files <clears throat> declassified in the 90s um, kind of gave some clues about the compartmentalization of knowledge about Oswald. Um, so essentially, like what that means is, is they the CIA managed to kind of keep information about Oswald in a few different places so that yep. not everybody away from others. Yeah. So that's the way they do it. Yep. Yeah. So it wasn't all in one place. Uh, and, and so it kind of showed how they were able to utilize that compartmentalization to help spin the communist angle. 
I'm going to give my big takeaway and then you can kind of follow up with, with any points yeah. you might have. But the reason why I kind of hammered away at all of this evidence, all of this testimony, all of the evidence, all of the, you know, we've, we've mentioned things multiple times, kind of beat a dead horse about, you know, yeah. why his trip to Russia might be an indication that he was involved in intelligence. The reason why I've done so much in this area is that if Oswald had intelligence connections, if he was an agent, that fact alone, even before you get to everything else we're going to look at, look at, it changes everything. You know, yeah. if he, because, yeah. because think about it, they, they denied and denied and denied and to this day continue to deny that he had any connection with the CIA. Yep. But if he did, if he was an agent, then everything else in the Warren Commission, you can just throw in the dumpster. Well, I can tell you this. I, I believe that, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald was part of some or both intelligence agencies. I think, however, it was contrived. I think that they found somebody that they knew they could manipulate, that they gave him some bogus reason to become a CIA or an FBI operative, mm -hmm. uh, saying that he wanted to be part of the false defector program, saying that he wanted to be part of an arms, uh, uh, illegal arms, you know, investigation or whatever. Um, and they said that he needed to do certain things to mm -hmm. keep his cover. And he didn't know it, but he thought he was doing the right thing. But every, the whole time they had him lined up for what they needed to get done. Mm -hmm. And maybe the, 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 the normal parts of the CIA and the FBI believed what the people in charge were telling them about what they wanted Oswald to do, mm -hmm. keep it compartmentalized, like you just said, mm -hmm. only need to know, right? So in the whole time, the people that were handling Oswald thought he was just the guy they were using for this. Mm -hmm. Oswald thought he was just the guy they were using for this. Mm -hmm. When the whole time, <laughs> the plan was being worked all around him. Mm -hmm. And it culminated in the way he looked and the way he said his words when he was being interrogated in that news conference. Mm -hmm. You could see the look on his face. He was a man that was like a guy who looks like he was in love with the prettiest girl in the world and then found out the next day she was sleeping with his brother. Huh. I, I mean, right? I mean, you know, it's like, it's almost like you got to look at his face and actually see it. The feeling I got from this guy. Mm -hmm. The look was not something like I did what I came to do. Mm -hmm. It was shit. I thought I was doing the right thing. I'm screwed. But I still believe the government is going to back me up somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that poor bastard. <laughs> you know, there's two, there's two. There it is. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't think he, he knew anything that was going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was even quoted as saying, I have nothing against President Kennedy. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really mean anything with all the other things they had him doing. It was a plan to make him look less uh, credible. Mm -hmm. How could a guy go to Russia, then say he loves the United States, be an anti-Castro Cuban, but then tell, tell people he, he liked Kennedy? I mean, it's all, he's all over the place. Mm 